Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Ade. Hello, Ade. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hello, Simon. I am doing very well. Thank you. I'm very delighted to be to be here. Yeah, uh, I, I say this a lot, but I always I, I have a little bit of a line. I say I'm delighted to be joined. And I always am. I always am. I, I, I have such great conversations with great, great people that would have huge hearts and want to help the, everybody in the adoption space. So what's not, what's not to like? It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's brilliant. And when the guests are similarly delighted, it's just like a delight fest. Is it? There's not <laughs> enough delight in the world. So we're bringing a little bit, a bit of delight to you listeners for the next, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. Maybe we'll go a, lot, a little bit shorter when we go a bit longer. We'll see how we go. Um, so today's theme um, is going to be uh, inter, interracial adoption. And we're going to look at that from uh, a few different ways. And uh, but before we do that, we're going to learn a little bit about uh, Ade. So Ade, can you please share a little bit about your, your story and um and, and how you got to, to do what you do. Thank you, Simon. So my name is Ade Larigo, as I, as I said earlier. I am a social worker. I have been a social worker since um, 20, 2006, I think, thereabouts. And um, I've, I started off working for local authority and, um, and then it's kind of just, I've, actually I've worked for a couple of local authorities and then I've gone into fostering and I've done some work around adoption and I see currently I sit on panels, um, adoption and fostering panels and I also have, I mean, I'm providing a service that um, that supports, I guess, the recruitment of panel members. That's, that's the shortest way to describe it. Great, fantastic. So um, we're going to be talking about uh, interracial adoption uh, today as, uh, as the frame for the conversation. So in in your work as a, in a in a as a social worker working in fostering and adoption, what sort of uh, challenges or issues have you seen in this uh, interracial adoption space? Um, the challenges, I um, I suppose, obviously, when you look at the statistics, you can see that there's many children who are waiting to be adopted. That you we we have more children than we have people who are able to adopt. So when it comes to matching, obviously you know social workers when the assessment has been done, social workers want to match a child with a family that I suppose looks like them so that they don't stand out. Um, you don't want to be walking down the street and somebody can tell straight away that child, you know, you didn't give birth to that child or whatever. So, you know, so, so part of the matching process is also to do with, you know, um, is a lot to do with life story for sure, but it's also to do with um, how, how we look, how the child looks, how the parent, the, 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 you know, the, the um, adopted parents look so that they kind of look like, you know, they, like, you know, they look alike. Sometimes I've heard, I've heard, adopters say, oh, I'm really excited because the child's got red hair and, and I've got red hair or, or, or you know, they, or the sibling has got red hair or, or something like that, that makes them, that makes them look, it looks like a family trait, I suppose. Yeah. So when it comes to interracial adoption, 
Um, first of all, in UK, it's probably not as big in UK as it is as it, as it is in America, but it certainly does happen because, as I said, you have you have much more children than you have adopters. So what we do as as what social workers tend to do is that we will find. So you, you might have a situation where you have a couple. Uh, let's just just as an example, you might have a couple where um, the mom might be say white and the dad is white but the features one of them look like a dual heritage and that would work well because the child is a dual heritage child so the child might be for example um uh you know half jamaican and half white british something like that just just to start as an example but what you want is for them to when they're walking down the street you can't tell at all that they didn't you know that they, they, it, it does look natural so the matching process, that, those are the work that the challenges that the social workers have when they're doing that matching is getting all of those things to match up so that th there's a, a natural look, I suppose, if you like. So sometimes you might have a child that is um, half Asian, half white, and then they, they are adopted by a, an Asian couple. You do have that situation as well. But again, you know, you, you, you can't always just look at them and think, right, that child is not, you know, that child is half white or, you know, or that situation. So those are the challenges that social workers have. And the social workers work very, very hard to ensure that children are matched um, as best as possible. Um, but it's not just, again, it, it, there is a business of how the children look and how the families look, but we also have to ensure that the families who are adopting them have an understanding of their background and they have an understanding of how they're going to help that child to continue to thrive and have a great understanding of their life story. So that so those are some of the so those are, those are some of the challenges, I suppose, um, that social workers would face when when matching a child with the with the family. Okay. So um uh Forgive me for my ignorance on this, right? But um, would uh, would a uh, social worker normally ask a prospective parent um, if they, you know, if they will accept different, you know, the different children from different that look different to that from a different, you know, background, a different ethnicity? Are they normally asked that? Yes, I mean, at the beginning of the process, when, when, a, when a family or a single person or whoever it is, the adopter comes forward and says, I want to adopt a child, part of the questions um, when they're gathering that initial information is to, the social workers want to understand, what do you have in mind? When you say you want to adopt, what do you have a picture in your mind of what you think your child might look like? Um, sometimes the children that the, a family um, adopt is not like the picture they had in their head in the beginning because yeah. sometimes you come you know we, we you know we have this picture in our heads but actually when we start to go through the journey you realize that perhaps the picture you had in your head maybe just this is can it can be forgive me I don't want to um sound like um I'm belittling anyone's dreams or anything but sometimes adopters can have a, a fairy tale picture in their head but then I suppose it's, it's, not, it's not any different to when you're pregnant and you're carrying a baby. You have a picture in your head, but the baby doesn't necessarily look like what they, uh, yeah. you know, the picture in your head when you give birth to them. So it's, it's the same sort of thing. But yes, yeah, social workers do ask a, a couple or a family, um, you know, what sort of child do you would you like to adopt? Will you, will you consider a child who's from a different, who's a, of a different ethnicity to yourself? 
Um, do, would you like a boy or girl? Is it a sibling group? Is it a single? You know, there, there's a series of questions because it is really important that as, as the adopters are being as, as, um, assessed, that the social workers have the right information, they've got the right um, idea, the right, um, it, you know, they know everything about that, that, that about the, the adopter in order to make sure that they are matching them with the right, you know, with the, with the, as, as, as much as possible, the child that they, that they are going to parent forever because obviously we want it to work. So, yes. So are there, um, well, you said that there's, there's, there's more, there's more, children than there are adopters are the particular groups I mean of kids that um uh where there's that are over kind of overrepresented in, yes. in in the pool of potential kids to be adopted yes so yeah um so you do have a situation where children who are of a certain age so boys who are over the age of seven generally are not um uh, they're not as easy to match with with the with the family because many people want to adopt a younger child, and um, so they they tend to unfortunately they tend to have a difficulty. You also have sometimes children who are within a sibling group. So, for example, if you have a sibling group of three or four children, you know you might have adopters who are only able to look after one or two children. So, therefore, children who come as a a group of more than, you know, usually when it's about two or three, it can be quite difficult to find one family that will be able to look after them all forever. So you end up with a situation where children are then separated because they have more chance of being adopted um, separately sometimes than all of them together. So sibling groups over seven, uh, children over the age of seven, boys who are over the age of seven, definitely. Um, and also you have children who are, from the black and ethnic minority group, they tend to wait longer to be adopted as well. Probably around the average um, time period of 18 months plus, longer than children from a different um, group. Wow. So gotcha. those children tend to have, um, you know, they're, they're waiting longer to be adopted basically. And also children who have some disability, again, they tend to have a longer wait. Sometimes, um, the social workers will will realize that some of those children will have to be in long term what you call long term foster care as opposed to having um, an adoption plan because they would do to try the adoption plan but if it doesn't work sometimes they would um, that their care plan is changed to become a long term foster um, foster care. And um, is it? I mean, is it the same? Is there a um... Is there a disparity in the in the like the uh, prospective adoptive parents that that's that, that's racial, you know, that's ethnic, and an ethnic disparity there as well? Yes, absolutely. Oh, no, you know, unfortunately, you know, it, it is it is sad, but unfortunately, there there is we have a situation um, at the moment where there is uh, you know racial disparity within within adoption. Um, and there is lots of work that is being done to encourage more people to, to just raise awareness around this, to encourage more people, particularly people from within the Black community, Black and Asian community, to come forward and consider extending their family through adoption. Um, because sometimes people just haven't considered it or because they're worried about what the community might say. So even though they really would like to have a child, 
they're concerned about what that impact would be. So they haven't stepped forward. Um, you know, so there is a lot of work that is being done to encourage many people to consider adoption, people who are able to do that, which, which um, ho hopefully um, that, that, would, that would help. Um, there's lots of for, uh, adoption agencies who are putting on, uh, they have what you call information evenings where they talk about adoption just to share knowledge and encourage people and give them information around that adoption. So, so yeah. So what um, those, the issues that you raised about the, 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 the cultural challenges in, uh, in an interracial adoption, what, what do you, what would you say they, they are? What, what, what and, and, and what, you know, what have you, what have you seen um, experienced for yourself and what have you seen helps adoptive parents address those issues? Yeah, so um, part of the work that the life, that the social workers tend to do is what you call the life story work. I'm sure you would have heard this, yeah. um, you know, so, Part of doing the life story work is to gather information around the child's um, birth family so that they have something physical that they can look at and that shows them maybe pictures of their birth parents and where they were born and things like that. But also, um, and a part of that is for the child first and foremost, but it's also helpful for the parents who have adopted them because also it gives them information about where the child, what their background is like and, you know, and sometimes, Sometimes, unfortunately, children's um, birth that are not always known. I mean, of course, you, you, you know who the birth mom is, but sometimes that, that information is not always available, maybe because uh, uh, you know, a birth mom has withheld it or because she doesn't know genuinely. So um, one, of the, one of the things that social workers try to do is to support the, birth, the adoptive family, try to equip them um, and by providing what you call life story um, training and training around, uh, sometimes training around diversity, training around just things that is going to help them to be gathered, to continue to gather information for their child that is going to help their child to build that knowledge around their identity and help them to make a better sense of who they are as they're growing up. So. Um, that is some of the challenges, really, um, just ensuring that the birth family, sorry, not birth family, the adoptive family are able to continue to support that child in having a better understanding of, of, of who they are, because that's obviously absolutely very important for, you know, for, for we all want to know who we are and have a better understanding of who we are, you know, so, so obviously that's a, an, an important job. What? So the, um, you talked about your you mentioned this work about helping um, uh, helping panels earlier on in terms of what you do now. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you came to 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 be into that and, and the problem that you saw that solve? Okay. okay. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I sit on, on a number of panels uh, because I'm an independent social worker, so I'm able to do that. I have that opportunity to be able to work with lots of different organizations, which, which is really interesting and, and adds, adds a lot to my learning um, as, as, I'm, as I'm developing as a social worker. Um, but what I have observed is as, I, as I've 
as I sit on different panels, I realize actually that the panels, and this is not for every organization, but it is common for, for, for you to go to panel and find that the panel tends to be predominantly um, white, middle-class, usually quite a lot of female um, individuals who are on the panel, which obviously that's not, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when you have families who are being assessed, who are Asian or black or Chinese or, you know, of a different ethnicity, and then the people who are reading their assessment are predominantly white, it sometimes, it sometimes leaves a question in the mind of the adopters, do, do the, you know, does the panel understand my story? You know, some of the questions that they've asked me, it took me aback because I, I didn't expect them to ask me that, but sometimes the questions that is being asked is because sometimes panels don't have a, a you know, they don't have a, as much understanding around cultural awareness as, as, as they, you know, as they should. Um, and so that's, that's sometimes that creates a bit of a, it can create a bit of a tension. And I've heard fellow social workers even say this, say this to me that they have found themselves, um, you know, they are also surprised sometimes at how, um, how, much, how much lack of diversity there is within, within the panel. Okay. So, and, and that's what led me to, to um, creating this service where, I can support fostering um, and adopt and, and you know fostering and adoption services to recruit panel members so that the panel looks more diverse rather than you know kind of what we have at the moment. Is um is social work um, similarly uh, you know like a, a, a similarly like a white a, um, a white institution? I'm just using a, a, a phrase here. You know, I don't mean it like that, right? But I'm just using it like a shorthand. So you're saying that adoption panels are l largely kind of like a, a white institution. Uh, is that is that mirrored in, in, in social work as well? Because I, I really don't know. I mean, I'm... yeah, it, it's an interesting question, Simon. I, actually, there's you know, when you look at social work, there's many people from different walks of life. But it is it, 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 interesting that but when it comes to adoption, it is largely Ah, right. It's largely white social workers who are within adoption. I'm not suggesting that there are no there are no um, uh, social workers who are who are of a different ethnicity within adoption, but there are certainly a greater number. It would seem. Or it's more. It's yeah. not as balanced as it could be. Yes. But I guess that there may be this uh, idea then if that uh, there may be a lack of. Um, different ethnicity adopters because they see this as a that you know they see this area as not one where they are represented in by the institutions that are offering it in terms of the the, the the institutions that are involved in it in terms of the panel and the social workers so they might be thinking this isn't for me this isn't a club where i'm kind well, of welcome. Am, am i oversimplifying this and uh, I'm, I'm conscious I, I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive around yes. stuff, but I, I, I'm, I don't know the answers I'm asking I'm just I'm asking Ab questions absolutely yeah no absolutely Simon um it it is it is it's not an easy question to answer but there is there is certainly something around the way the framework 
around adoption, which would seem um, perhaps has not taken into consideration people from different ethnicity and how that, that um, prevents some people from coming into that, into that state. So, so for example, I was involved with a piece of uh, work. I did some work for an organization for, called Home for Good last year. Um, and it's, it's a campaign called You Can Adopt. It's a national campaign. Yeah, yeah. And part of, I don't know, you might have heard of it. Part yes, of I've that, heard of it, yeah. Brilliant. So part of that campaign had another, another strand of it, which was called uh, Black Adopters um, uh, Campaign. And um, the idea of that was to, you know, there's been some research has been done within the black community because we, we wanted to understand what is it that's preventing more black people or more Asian people from coming forward and adopting. And as we went on in the projects, one of the things we came to find is that some people, many people were very willing, they're very, very keen to adopt, they want to grow their family. Some people say, I, I know I can't have a child, you know, by natural birth, so I, I really want to adopt. However, there's this question of um, having a spare room. So the, 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 um, your living accommodation, even though when you, when you go forward to adopt, legally, you don't have to have a spare room. But in reality, you do have to have a spare room in order to obviously put your adopted child somewhere to, to sleep. They're not going to sleep in the same room as you. Or if you if you already have birth children, you know, the, the idea, the expectation is not that your adopted child is going to, going to share a room with the child that you, you that's just not that's just not how, how it is, yeah. you know. So there are something, there's something to do with perhaps um unconsciously you you need to have perhaps a certain level of income although it's not it's not written anywhere I, 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 you know but in order for you to have a home of a certain number of bedrooms you know you, you, you need to have a certain a certain kind of accommodation in reality and that's what some people have found that has prevented them from kind of going forward on their you know on their adoption journey um and so, so that's just a small segment of people within the black community that have said that that's been a problem for them, you know. Um, but you know, I'm sure if we did, if we do, if we did more research around other communities, it would be interesting to see what we find. What has been that prevent? What's been the thing that has been preventing people? Because equally, as I mentioned earlier, there is also this mindset of people concerned, being concerned about what the communities might say, because some communities frown on adoption they don't believe that is a, a natural way for you to grow your family some communities believe that you should be able to give birth to a child and that and that's it so somehow if you can't do that then you're kind of not favored in some way you know so there is there is some of those beliefs within certain communities as well which again prevents people come from coming forward to 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 consider adoption but but yes yeah, so I don't know whether that answered the question that yeah definitely definitely um I think it, this this is a this is clearly a, a complex challenge with all sorts of different factors to play from you know the from economics um, uh, you know the economics uh, the economics of having a spare room uh, of having sufficient income to have a you know have a house that's got a spare room to to the cultural um, the cultural factors you've just been talking about in terms of some communities looking. Uh, frowning on, on on adoption, if if I can put that 
um, gently, perhaps they're using the word frowning. Um, and then, you know, you've got the, these institutions that are perhaps uh, less, uh, uh, less diverse than they should be. I mean, the other thing that you, you mentioned about in terms of the, the panels before we, before we started recording was this, um, this issue of, of unconscious bias that may be uh, present in, in some of the panels. And can you talk a little bit into that? Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, good thing I would say in terms of unconscious bias is that I would say many, many people who sit on panels are very aware that that is something that we all, we all carry that. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a continued learning that, you know, being aware of our own unconscious bias. And, um, and I, I would say, go as far as to say, it's not, it's not just panel members. We all, we all, yes. we all need to be aware of it, you know, as, as social workers, as, as just human beings, your neighbors, you know, we can all make assumptions about the next person that we've, we've never even met, just somebody you, you, you know, you come across them in the, in the shop or whatever, we can quickly just come to this idea about they, they're gonna do this or do that, or they're gonna behave in a certain way. And sometimes it, it causes us to respond to people in a way that we don't, sometimes you can't even explain why, you, why you've done that thing, but, but it's because you're carrying that um, bias in your mind because you, you've, you've kind of come to that conclusion that, that person is going to be, I don't know, aggressive or, or, or whatever it is, you know, so you, you, you act in a certain way. And equally, sometimes, just to come back to the to question around panel, sometimes when you read perhaps information about people who want to become adopters or somebody who wants to become a foster carer, um, you might read, for example, that um, the, you know, the religion, for example, just to, show, just to give you an example, their the religion, their faith is very important to them. So maybe if they go to church or they go to mosque, X, you know, X amount of times in, in a week, um, sometimes we can, we can um, in, in our minds, you're thinking, okay, so how are they going to be able to be there for the child? Um, are they going to want to make their child um, be a Christian like them or be a Muslim or, be, or go to the temple or, you know what I mean? You, you can quickly, sometimes, um, sometimes it, it is unfair, um, go down that road in terms of we're already expecting sometimes we it sounds like we're expecting the worst uh, you know I mean sometimes it is obviously very important that we dig out ask questions and we're clear about what is happening in people's lives to make sure that they're not going to essentially force something onto onto a child you know of course that's really important but at times it can some of the questioning can be unfair as a result of um, unconscious bias is, is, is what I'm saying. So it's very important that we continue to talk about that, um, you know, within panels, within social work, within anybody who's doing assessment work of, of adopters, it's very, very important that we're mindful of that and we, we ask the right questions. And sometimes we don't ask questions because we think we've got the answer. That, that, that can be quite dangerous because you jump to your conclusion and you think oh, yeah that's what that's what they mean by that and you just write it down and, and but that's not always the case so it's really important to to prove and just say actually I don't really get that could you please just walk me through it what did you mean by that instead of me I thinking that I, I I know what they meant when they said I don't know a certain phrase or they did something while I'm in their home and, and I'm doing the assessment 
So, so yes, it is, it is absolutely, absolutely very important to continue to, to explore that within ourselves. Okay, are there any questions that I've not asked you uh, in terms of uh, learnings or information that you'd like to, to, to share in, in, around this subject of interracial adoption that I've not asked you that you'd like to, to, um, to, 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 to. It's, Well, you have asked me, you've asked me, but the, the only thing I would like to add is just that learning is a continued process. And, and I realise that... Um, because I'm able to kind of move around in my, in my job, move and work in different organizations, um, I, I've been able to transfer the learning that I get from this organization. I think, oh, okay, they're doing that really great there, but actually this organization is not doing it that well. I've been able to kind of move it and, and then and bring it to, to the other place and say, okay, actually I've seen this practice you know, in another place. So maybe we should consider Im implementing that. Um, and it's just also that the whole thing about adoption is just, is, is really complex. Just, you know, just as we've kind of talked about it a little bit um, this afternoon, it's, it's just, it's really complex. It's not just one, you know, it's like, it's like you unravel one thing and, and then you find there's, there's just more layers, you know, there's just more layers to it, really. So, um, so yeah. So if any, um, if anybody who's listening is in, uh, like a professional working in uh, in a, an adoption, and uh, wants to to talk to you about uh, diversity and best practice in panels. Where where should they get in touch with you, Ali? So I have um, the agency that I, the service that I've provided is 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 um, called Agency Connection, and um, I have I can be contacted through LinkedIn. It's it's you know I've got a page on LinkedIn. And um, the website is been is not uh, is not yet um, launched, but it's going to be up within the next couple of weeks, and I will put the link on my on my LinkedIn as well, so okay. I can be contacted there. So I'll I'll add a, a link to your LinkedIn profile because that's where we met, isn't it? We met on LinkedIn. Um, so I'll add a, a link into um, Ado's profile in the show notes if anybody wants to get in uh, touch with her, they can do that way, and then. Hopefully at some point when the website's ready, you'll be able to check out the website uh, through that link on LinkedIn as well. So thank you very much for, for coming on and sharing uh, more about this because as uh, you know, as a white guy who was adopted by a white, um, by white folks, I, you know, this isn't an area of my expertise. So I'm, I'm really grateful for you to come on and share and um, share what you've, some of what you've learned over the, over the years you've been in this area. Thank you, Simon. It's been it's been an honor just 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 to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, all listeners. Uh, see you all soon. Bye bye.